interesting, isn't it? That's not to poke fun at Facebook and social online networking, but it does give us a clearer picture of how much time we spend on other things than God. Now, we'll use, we'll use online social networking for good things. We'll use it to connect with our family and friends. We'll use it to connect with people that we know. Uh, we'll use it for work. We'll use it for things that uh, help us with getting better with communication. Now, how many of you, and please don't show your hands because it might um, cause some conflict here. But just in your mind, think to yourselves, how many of you uh, kind of have a habit of checking your Facebook and your email more than you do the Bible? Okay, don't raise your hands. I'm just asking this as a question. Just as a question. More than we do the actual Word of God. Now, again, not to poke fun at the things that we use for technology because it can be used for good. Many of us use it to know what's going on in our family across the world. And now we can connect with our families a whole lot quicker than we could in the past. And we know a whole lot more that's going on in our extended family than we used to in the past. There's a little history of social networking that I wanted to just brief us with because it's not so much about social networking. It's really not. Because really, if we look at it, social networking was not the inventive idea of one person or people. It really was God's idea from the very beginning that we were to connect with one another. It was God's idea. But as man started to you know, evolve in our thinking... We started to use God's way of connecting for self-gain and self-purposes. Now, some may say that, well, I invent this so that people can connect. Some will say, I've invented this so I can make billions of dollars. Regardless of what it is, it's still God's idea to connect. In 1971, the first email was sent. And it was actually between two computers sitting next to each other. And they thought that, well, that's a genius thing, that it's right next to each other. But you fast forward the tape 40 years later, we still email one another right next to each other. You have people in front of each other saying, oh, so what's happening? Well, oh, yesterday I took pictures of my family, we played, you know, baseball and stuff. Oh, where's the pictures? Oh, let me email it to you. And they stand right there from their phone and they'll send the message. Continue on to 1994, one of the first website social networking was called GeoCities. And I think you may have heard of that before. But the concept was for users to create their own website. And it was categorized by six cities. They would use different cities like a Hollywood city or Wall Street. And so they would try and, you know, make it a little bit more fun to connect. 1995, the Globe gave users the freedom to personalize their own online experience by putting together like profiles, like I'm married, I have children, uh, this is my hobbies. And so that created a huge launch in social networking. 1997, AOL, uh, America Online, started off what we call instant messaging. That you could just put together a quick message and click it and it instantly goes to the other user. And then IM, or instant messaging, uh, Became, became popular. 1997, 6degrees.com launches uh, their own website allowing profile creation and listing friends. Now you could connect with friends and have friends on your profile. In 2000, the stock market crashes from the dot-com industry. 
and it just goes down. Now all these entrepreneurs got to go back to the drawing board. And then in 2002, Friendster is launched. Now Friendster is a type of Facebook, if you're familiar with Facebook. Friendster is a place that you could connect with friends. And then 3 million users connect in the first three months, which was about one in every 126 internet users. And then in 2003, MySpace is launched. First of all, I was looking at it as it was a Friendster clone that people were saying it's the same thing. But then they started to expand and get better and better. Then you could post pictures and videos and things like that. Then in 2004, Facebook is launched. And at first it was launched to connect college kids. Actually, in the beginning, it was to to put up pictures of uh, uh, people and they would judge to see who was good looking. Who was better looking than the other. And then they started to uh, mold that and shape it and make it better and better. To where now college students could connect with each other. They would actually cheat on their tests because of this social networking. And then that blew up. And it started to go across all the different colleges. It actually started off at Harvard College. And then it blew up from there. In 2006, Twitter is launched. And if you're familiar with Twitter, you can only put up so many words. And then they'll twit it. And it's not like the person is a twit, because some of you are thinking, what does that mean? You can be and still twit, but it would give you quick words to broadcast across the world. And so Twitter is launched. And at the close of 2010... Japan versus Denmark, the World Cup that they had, the soccer game. Check this out. Twitter users published 3,283 tweets per second during the World Cup. In 2008, Facebook overtakes, uh, uh, overtakes MySpace as the leading social network site in monthly unique visitors. Right now, Friendster has 90 million users. MySpace has 260 million users. Twitter has 190 million users. And Facebook has over 600 million users. Double the size of the United States of America's population. 600 million users. Now you'll look at that and think, wow, well, how come we don't have friends? Why is it we have 600 million friends online, but I have not one good one? What's the problem here? You see, social networking was God's idea. The smallest social network that works is the family. That's the smallest social network that God designed that when working correctly, changes the world. Now, we can get lost in all of this, but nonetheless, it it comes back to God's idea. Social networking is fine. It's good if you use it for good. But you can have 500 friends and still be lonely. It's not about how many people you know or how many people know you. It's about healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. God said this, and it's found in your notes. If you have your bulletin, you can open that up as we continue in our series, The Value of Ohana. Genesis 126. The Bible says, it says that God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then 
God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. You know, when God was saying, let us make, he was saying, let us fashion, let us form. Let's form and create in our own image, in our own likeness, according to our likeness or to resemble us. You know who he was talking about when he said, let us in our image? He was talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In other words, what God was saying, let's create human beings in our likeness called relationships. Let's create human beings so that they crave relationships. So that they crave a relationship with us as God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That they would crave wanting to be a part of a family. Why do you think as kids we go astray and, and some join gangs, some they, they join uh, other groups or clubs? Even when the family is not doing well, and even more so, kids will go off and try to form their own unique style aside from their family and get involved with things or with other people that accept them for who they are because they crave relationship. But the greatest social network is supposed to be the family. And when it's not working correctly, it can be very devastating for our kids who grow up. It can be very devastating for a marriage when we don't connect well with one another. Because God created us for relationship. It doesn't matter how big our world gets and the billions of dollars social networking produces. The smallest social network that works is the family. It's God's idea. He designed it. And it has never failed. His design never fails. There are many failed families, failed relationships, failed friendships. But it's not because of God's design. It's because of our unwillingness to do things God's way. You see, we, we all can be the smallest, most effective social network this world has ever seen right here in our very own family. Now, you might be single right now and you're a grown adult and you're saying, but I don't have a family. You know, a lot of what we're going to be talking about this morning, you can actually connect it to the family of God or God himself. And the first thing we can do, and if you're taking notes, is, is to look at our priorities. Let's look at our priorities for a little while, okay? And, and let's think through our priorities. Because if we're ever going to be effective in this thing called uh, social networking or family or connecting with God, then I've got to adjust my priorities for my family. And you can write that in. Because we have to continuously adjust my priorities for my family. Continuously. We, I mean, you can agree with me on this one. I will adjust my priorities this week, and it changes next week. I can readjust my schedule, rearrange things, but when it comes the next week, i got to do that again. Imagine if we never adjust our, our schedules, or we never uh, adjust our priorities. After a while, it's like everything just crashes. Everything crumbles in, and stress goes at an all-time high, because we never adjust our priorities. So what does, a, what does Christians, or what does Christian priorities look like? Because we want to do it God's way, but what does Christian priorities look like? Now I'm going to say this very carefully, and hopefully we can catch this. But there are no such thing as Christian priorities. There's no such thing as Christian priorities. There is, however, a Christian's priority. And there's a major difference. In Matthew 6.25, I'll read it. 
Jesus is letting us know priorities. He's giving us healthy priorities. And he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? By the way, he's not saying walk around naked. He's saying clothing is very important. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And Solomon was one of the kings of Israel who had much wisdom. Now if God so clothed the grass, the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Then He kind of comes to a conclusion and kind of brings everyone in. And He says, therefore, do not worry. Saying, well, what shall we eat? Well, what shall we drink? Or, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or those that were far from God. For your heavenly Father knows that you will need all these things. So Jesus is saying, we know you need these things. God knows you need these things. But seek first, and this is in your notes, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And let's read this part together. Ready? Go. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. You know what the Bible is saying? When we adjust our priorities, all the things we worry about that we can't control, He says, I'll take care of those things. But seek first my kingdom. Then all these things will be added unto you. This past weekend, I know for many of us, because we heard about you know May 21st being the end of the world, uh, many of us made fun of it. Many of us were scared. Many of us were saying, you know, nobody knows as the Bible says, the day or the time. And when the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, what it's meaning is don't seek after a man, a person. Seek after the kingdom of God. Jesus is called the king of kings. If anything, the Bible is telling us, seek Jesus. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus You won't have to worry about a so-called judgment day or the end of the world. Because it won't be the end of the world when Jesus comes back. It will be the beginning of a new life. And that's the heart that Jesus wants to give. He doesn't want us to be fearful of things like that. He wants us to live for Him. And it it causes us to live in such a way that, that we must adjust our priorities. Otherwise, we'll be so caught up in the ways of the world that we'll forget about Jesus Christ. He says, seek first my kingdom and everything else will be taken care of. It will be added unto you. To seek means to crave, to aim. You know when you have that certain craving for something? Like you crave for a certain food? Like I, I crave for spam and cabbage once in a while. I crave for it. Even though if it's not that healthy for me, I crave for it. I sometimes crave for Doritos chips with salsa and cream cheese. It's not like the most healthiest thing. It's not good for me, but boy, is it good. And that's what the Bible is saying, to crave for these things. Some of you crave, not not those unhealthy things, but crave for Him. That's what He's saying, to seek first His kingdom. 
to crave after his kingdom. And when I crave for my family, it becomes important to me. And what the Bible is not saying is other things aren't important. It's just saying when you adjust our priorities, it just tells you what is most important. Because all these other things, Jesus said, you need. You need those things. But seek first his kingdom. Because it will tell us what's important. And that bullet underneath number one. Here's something that I think we all, we will hear this often, but make time to connect with my family. Make time. Make time to connect. Now your family might be somewhere else. Maybe you're single and, and you don't have your intimate family or your close you know, family members, your brothers and sisters or mom and dad. But you're still connected to the family of God, whether you serve or volunteer in the church or just connecting with God. Getting into His Word, praying, worshiping Him. It's connecting with Him. Make time to connect with God. I love date nights. Date nights uh, with Heidi is like the greatest time for me. I look forward to that. No phones. You've got to turn off your phone on date nights. If you have date nights, turn off your phone. And make sure you're not checking email or tweeting or Facebooking or MySpacing or other social networking kind of things. Because that's the greatest social network that works. It's you and your spouse. And you spend that time together. You have dinner or dessert. Sometimes you can't afford a dinner. You know, you can't eat out. Stay home. And just, you know, have a movie night or something like that. Get popcorn and mochi crunch. Go to Walmart. Buy it. It's only a couple bucks. Invest in that. One cup of coffee that you buy out there, you can have a date night. Kind of cheap, but, you know, it's still a date night. It's not how much you spend. It's who you spend it with. That makes all the difference in the world. But invest that time. Make time for your family. I love it when my son doesn't have school the next day because we stay up late. Now, I pay for it the next day at work, but it's a time we get to spend together. And we just, you make time for your families. We can. We can make time for our families. Now, I'm going to say this, okay? I, I, I didn't try this because I don't have Facebook and things like that, but I dare you. You got to pray on this because it might, it'll be hard. Because you will say, no, I'm not, I'm not addicted to that stuff. I find myself checking my phone for nothing. I just, if I'm in line, I'll just pull out my phone. Look, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Like, hopefully something's there. Did somebody text me, email me, something. And... But try this, because I know some people did this. Try not connecting with others for a day. You thought I was going to say a month or a week? No, 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 just a day. For some of you tweeters out there, not tweakers, tweeters. <laughs> Try for an hour. Just start off small. Baby steps, little steps. Try for an hour. Just try that. Turn your phone off for an hour. See what happens. You'll be in the corner by yourself. You'll be like, just wanting to do something. Just try it. But it'll help you to think through, where is my time going? Because we can make time with our family. Now, here's some things that I've been doing and some things that I've, I'm still working on to make time with my family. And these are some things that, that has helped me. You can use it. It may not work for you. But here's some tips on trying to help us make time for our families. The first thing I try to do, oh, that I must do, is finish work at work. Finish work at work. It's funny. In high school, you have homework. But when you work in the real world, you don't have homework. 
you get paid from this time to this time. Now, your job might be different where, where you're an entrepreneur or you own your own business, and that might be a little different. But still, finish work when you're supposed to. Finish work at work. Uh, turn off your phone at night or when you come home. Just turn it off. And you might be thinking, oh my goodness, Ed, turn off my phone. I don't know if people can contact me. Good. Good. I don't even have an answering machine. So if you call my house, it's going to ring and ring and ring. And I just don't have an answering machine. Not that I don't want to talk to people, but people contact me somehow. I don't know. Maybe they come my house. But there's just a way for me to say, you know what? This is my time with my family. Turn off my phone and it's done. And believe me, it's a hard thing to do. Also, uh, when my son is on vacation from school, that's when I take vacations to spend time with my son. That's when I take vacation. And that helps me. Also, date night, and we talked about that. And there's some, there's some rules to date night, you know, no talking about the kids, no talking about uh, work or things like that. You talk about each other, each other's dreams. You talk about what's going good in life. You look forward to the things that are taking place in life. My son is graduating 2012 and will be empty nesters. And so we're, we're kind of planning that out and we're looking forward to that. We still love our son, but we're still looking forward to him moving out. And we want to spend time with each other. But we got to get used to each other. If, we, if Heidi and I don't know each other and we become empty nesters, we'll have two nests. And live separate lives in the same place. We have our marriage classes that teaches... Uh, the different R's, and, and I know if I get it wrong, Pastor Alex, you're going to have to help me. But you start off in the romance stage, and everything is beautiful. No one can make mistakes because you love one another. And then you go into the, the roommate stage, if you're not careful. And you just live together. You, you, you still, you know, do things, and you're raising the family, but you're roommates now. And then the last stage, you become what we call routine. Oh, actually, routine is the second one. And the last one is, now you're just roommates. But routine, you just do the same old, same old. And then the last one, you just, it's just, you're just roommates. And you look at your marriage and you think, how did we get here? Well, it started way back in the romance stage. Stay there. Make googly eyes at each other. Whatever you have to do. <laughs> Write love notes to each other. Give flowers. Or like my wife, Heidi, would say, don't give me flowers. Give me cash. I'll go Home Depot and, you know, buy stuff. I'll go buy dirt for the garden. But whatever works for your family. Set your priorities. Make time for your family. So that's one thing is date night. Tell bedtime stories to your kids. Tell bedtime stories. Tuck them in. Uh, Sometimes I'm away. And uh, if I'm traveling somewhere, I'll still talk to my son. I'll call him or because of technology, we have FaceTime or, you know, you have uh, iChat or Skype. You can see face to face and I'll still do that. But it's still a way to connect and making, make time for your family. But you're finding every opportunity to connect, eat dinner together. Sometimes we go in our separate rooms and we'll take our food somewhere else and we'll scatter But have a meal together. Sit down at the table. Turn off the TV. Put away all the phones. One of the things we say is no electronic gadgets at the table. You just put them on the side. When you go to sleep, no no laptops on the bed. It's called laptops. When you sit down on a chair, that's what it was supposed to be for. It's not a bed top. And so that's out the door. Sometimes I'll just hang out in my son's room and if he's busy doing homework, I'll just hang out in there just so that I'm with him. And if, if he has a break, then we'll talk and things like that. 
Sometimes we'll play Xbox together or whatever it is, just so that we can make time for our family. Now, you might have six kids, and you're thinking, I try. My time is split in six. So I have two minutes with one, three minutes with one, and all of them one time. I go nuts. Oh, good luck. I don't know. I only have one kid left, so I don't know what you're going to do at that point. But you know what you can do is have time with the family because sometimes you have a 16-year-old and a three-month-old. But that's something that you work at. There's never a quick fix to anything. When God said, let us make man in our own image, God's a thinker. He does. That's why he says, I know the plans that I have for you. He thinks these things through. And so think these things through. Well, you might say, well, I'm at home. I'm with my family. Yeah, I might be working, but at least I'm at home, right? That's, that's good. But we can be physically home and mentally away. And sometimes for our kids, that can be even worse because you're at home, but you're not at home. How many times our kids will be talking to us, we won't pay attention. They'll sit on our laps, grab our face, and pull us toward them. They'll be tapping us, dad, 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 dad. What? I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. They just want our attention. It's just trying to, it's trying to make that time for our family because it's the greatest social network that works. 1 Corinthians 10.31, this will help us big time. It says, whatever, uh, whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. And you look at the, the list that we have to do in adjusting or making, uh, making time for our families, and we'll say, it's impossible. No, in everything you do, do all for the glory of God. Even when you adjust your priorities for your family. Even when you make time for your family. Just say, Lord, I, I want to do this for you. I want to connect with my family. Because you created us to build relationships. Now, where's the best place to receive wisdom to make these adjustments in our priorities as well as making time for our family? James 1.5 tells us, and we're going to read this together, and it'll come up on the screens. James 1, verse 5. And if not, you have it in your notes. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Have you ever asked someone to learn something from them and they'll tell you, oh, I don't know, or they don't want to give out their secret? God is not like that. When you ask Him for wisdom, He'll give it to you. And He won't say, well, how come you're asking that? He'll give it to us generously. And when the family is working how God designed it, it is the greatest social network that works. And the smallest. Coming up later on this year, probably in October, sometime then, We're actually putting on our first New Hope regatta and we're going to have canoe paddling and things like that for the family. It's not a competition, you know, the major kinds of competition. It's a family fun day. And it's where we can get together as community and as family and just have fun with the family. It's also a day to honor our kupuna, our elders. So we're going to have a wonderful time at at, uh, Hilo One or we call it Bayfront. And we're just planning that to come up in the future so that we can be the family that makes time together. Because there's some of your kids, they paddle, or parents, or or relatives. And and maybe for us, we're saying, you know what, let's take out some time to make time for the family. And then we'll have a family fun day, and it'll be the the greatest thing. 
But we're looking forward to that because we want to create things that help us to make time for the family and help connect people together. There's nothing like the family when the family is working right. The Bible says, ask God for wisdom, which tells me this in our last point, to network with God daily. Network with Him daily. It's amazing that we will network with other people more than we do with God. And again, not putting other things down, but it just causes me to think, Lord, am I spending time with you? Do I pray to you? Do I think about you all day? Do I, do I prioritize my life around your principles, around what benefits you and, and what you want best for me and my family? Because you want value to my ohana. You want value to my family. But if I don't network with you, if I don't connect with you and, and make it a point to, to understand how you operate, then I won't understand how my family is supposed to operate. See, if we don't network with God daily, you know what will guide us? Our emotions. Our emotions will get the best of us. Anger will get the best of us. Revenge, jealousy. That will actually guide my family. Then we'll follow the ways of the world and not the ways of God. The question is this. What, what do you want to be remembered for? As a father, as a mom, as a grandparent, as a brother or sister, or an aunt or an uncle or grandparent... What do you want to be, be remembered for? There's a man by the name of Enoch. And if you read a little bit of his life, this is what the Bible says about Enoch. Genesis 5.22. It says that Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now they lived a whole lot longer then than we do now. And had sons and daughters. And in verse 24 it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. Think about that. He had such a good relationship with God that God took him. And we'll think of it as he was here, now he's gone, he disappeared. But that word actually means, to take means to seize. That God seized him. Wouldn't it be something for us to be remembered or recognized as someone who God seized? That when people look at our lives, our family, they'll say, boy, that, yeah, that guy has a lot of things on his mind or a lot of things to do. And, and yes, they're busy, but boy, it's like something seized their family. Like something just gripped their family. It's because of God, what he's doing in our family. See, we don't have enough life experience, enough, enough energy, enough, enough wisdom to make the family what we want it to be or what we dream of our families to be. But God does. And when we network with God daily, when we connect with God, whether it's reading our devotions, praying with Him, learning more about God and, and just connecting with Him, building that relationship with Him, when we do that, then we begin to understand that this is the smallest social network that works. It's called the family. And when we connect with Him, He connects with us. And maybe the memory of us, or even when we live, that people would say, God seized Him. God seized her. You ever seen anyone in love? You ever seen, well, maybe when you first met, or you're still in love, right? Hopefully you're still in love. That, like, you couldn't even talk to them. 
when they're floating. You know, when, they first, when you first meet your loved one or you first fall in love or you see your kids in love, it's like they're not even connected to earth. And you're trying to, you're trying to get their attention. They're not. They're in la-la land because they're in love. And we make mistakes. We do all kinds of things. We even go against our own principles because we love someone. What happened? Well, that other person, because of love, seized you. Like they got all your attention. Everything was about that person. I remember when I met Heidi. And boy, that was like the greatest thing in the world and still is. And when we would date, I would look forward to, you know, visiting her. And, you know, I was seventh grade and she was eighth grade. And, but I didn't have money. You know, I didn't work. And so as we continued to grow up, when we would like hang out and go movies, I, I didn't have money. So I had to work. But my uncle said, if you help me, then, then you know, we could go work. And, and, and I, uh, you could help me work and then I would give you money. Before I met Heidi, I was like, I don't want to go to the golf course and go in the water and find golf balls. That's what he asked me to do. He said, I'll pay you 10 bucks per, you know, five-gallon bucket. I said, no way. I'm in the mud. There's someone king crabs or someone crabs in the water. Those buckets pinch. So I said, no, I don't want to. But then when I met Heidi and I didn't have money and I wanted to hang out with her, I went to my uncle. I said, so you still uh, finding golf balls? He said, yeah. I said, I'll go. I'll go. I got two five-gallon buckets, 20 bucks. Now, movies was only a dollar. I mean, there's still 50 cents, but, man, you could go to the movies and buy stuff, and, like, I had the big bucks. (laughs) It's because I loved her that I was willing to do whatever it took. When you love God, you'll be willing to do whatever it takes to make things work. You'll do whatever it takes to make the family the strongest most effective social network on the face of this planet. You may not have 600 million friends. You may not be making the big bucks. But because of your adjustments to your priorities, making time for your family, all those other things really wouldn't matter much. It wouldn't be about the money, the bigger house, the cars. Because now your family is working at its very best. And it's working how it's supposed to in being the smallest social network that works. Adding value to your ohana. Can you say amen to that? I say amen to that. You can close your Bibles. I do want to say congratulations to all those who graduated this past week from college and high school. Can we congratulate all of them? I want to say congratulations. If you were one of the graduates, can I just say this? You you may not think of it much. You may think of it, yes, I'm done school. And that's a part of it. There's, There's that relief. But you've accomplished something that took 18 years. Think about that. It took you 18 years. For some, maybe 19 or 20 but nonetheless, you, you, you are still making a difference, not in your family only, but in this world. I know for some of you, you may not have graduated and you may feel like a disappointment. You're not a disappointment. A diploma doesn't define you. It'll help you, but it doesn't, it's not your, it's not your identity. 
Your identity is in God. Parents, maybe your kids didn't graduate and maybe you're feeling like a failure. You're not a failure. Remember, God chose you. Because when the family is working correct, it's the greatest social network in the world. Stay close to one another. Encourage one another. Be there for one another. And you'll see God continue to add value to your family, even though we may make mistakes. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful for giving us a way to celebrate your goodness, a way to celebrate family. And it's true that you're the inventor behind connecting with one another. You're the one that causes us to grow together as family. And Lord, I pray for all of us today in our families that we would be people who would just look at our priorities. And if we're doing well in that, that's fine. We just ask you for wisdom to be the greatest social network that you have put together. So that even though we may not have 500 or 600 million friends, we're first of all friends with you. And then you cause us out of that relationship to have the best relationships in our families. Help us to make time for our families and to make time for you daily to connect with you. There's some here this morning, Lord, that they've never connected with you. They've never said yes to you. They never understood how much value they have in your eyes. And maybe they're thinking about the rest of their life, the rest of eternity. And without you, for the rest of eternity, being in a relationship with us, we don't even want to think about that. But you made a way for us to have a relationship with you, to connect with you. And it was through your son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, boy, I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I've, I've never given him my life. I've never connected with him. I don't know what to do. I don't think God will love me. But God created you to have relationship with him. It's not about being good or bad. It's about how good he is. Even when we're not. And if you want to connect with God, you want to have a relationship with God for all of eternity. I'll say a prayer and you can mean it with all your heart. Because God hears you. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I want to be the person that you fashioned me to be. And I believe you died on the cross for me and that you rose again to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for those that said yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And if that was you, with no one looking, could you just lift a hand real quick? I want to pray for you. 
Just lift a hand. You're saying, I said yes to Jesus this morning. Good. In the back there, you said yes to Jesus. He sees your hand. He sees your heart. Anybody else? You said yes to Jesus. Just hold your hands up high. Good. Right here. Anyone else? You said yes to Jesus. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that just said yes to you. That as they continue to walk with you, they will never forget how valuable they are with you. And I thank you for those that said yes to you. If you're a Christian and you hear this morning and you're saying, I want to connect with God better than I have been. If that's you, could you lift a hand this morning and you're saying, Lord, I just want to connect with you better. Good. Many of us, Lord, I lift my hand too. I want to connect with you better and better every day. And put your hands down. And Lord, thank you so much for being a loving father, a loving God. You're the one who calls us friends. And without you, really, relationships wouldn't be as valuable. But with you, you add value to our ohana. And it extends throughout the entire world, connecting every single one of us through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.